0: Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late
1: checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world.
2: We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. Every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin.
1: And I'm David Gura. Listen to the big take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: Two teams that impress us at this embryonic stage of the NBA's 78th season. Two teams that also concern us. And should the NBA draft be expanded into a two-night affair? United States against the rest of the world in the NBA All-Star Game? Is that even sooner in the future than we expected? We get into all that next here on This League Uncut. Welcome to This League Uncut. In the world of 24-hour NBA news,
1: this news, you lose. Chris Haynes, it's go time! Mark Stein, it's show time! boom
3: This League Uncut is underway and on fire! This should be a good one. Welcome in, everyone, to another edition of This League Uncut. Mark Stein here with Chris Haynes on a somewhat sleepy Thursday night as we record only two games. On the schedule tonight, Indiana edging Milwaukee. Giannis Antetokounmpo, 54 points, not enough with Dame Lillard out of the lineup. Indiana off to a surprising 6-3 and three start. As Chris and I record this, Atlanta and Orlando are playing in Mexico City, what has become the league's annual regular season game, early in the regular season. In Mexico City. I've made a few trips myself to Mexico City for these games. Not for this one. Stayed home just to do this podcast. Just to make sure that Chris Haynes gets this podcast recorded. And he gets a good night's sleep before tomorrow. When the in-season tournament returns. His beloved in-season tournament that he was so geeked up for. I know he's been home studying everybody's home court. The new home court designs we're going to see. Tomorrow night, very exciting, right?
0: Oh, okay. Well, I, people I
3: people couldn't see people couldn't see the look on your face that I could see when when I threw
0: well, that I, I'm just saying. I I think you're adding more to it to my enthusiasm towards the end season tournament. I I'm just of the mindset that I embrace some type of uh, experimental change. So that's what I'm just giving it the benefit of the doubt right now, and we'll we'll see how it plays out. But just to say, I'm just I understand there's some people out there who have to might be league partners who have to say this is the greatest thing we're so excited this is going to do this we don't know what it's going to do you know so i'm not going to go all that out like that but i am interested in seeing how this is going to play out so yeah but i think you just add a little bit extra on my enthusiasm for this that's right
3: i'm just trying to to get you riled up before we really get going here we're going to play a different game we're not going to spend too much time talking about the in-season tournament i think everybody who listens to this podcast knows where i stand on it you have you are giving it more of a chance let's see what happens you're right it is only the second night of in-season tournament games on friday night and yes there are nine games on the schedule but let's let's do something
0: different stein let's yeah before we do something different hold on give me a few seconds just listen to this You heard that? I did not. Good. That was the plan. Stein, I have changed the batteries in my smoke detector. I finally did it. You You will hear no beep. So I'm sorry, all the people who love listening to my smoke detector go off every other minute or so, but I have changed the batteries. And you may ask, well, Chris, how come you didn't do that months ago? Because I've mean, been—you you could argue me saying I was just going here. to
3: ask that. Okay. I'm glad you anticipated that question.
0: I, I will have a very good answer for you. It might not suffice, but I have a I have an answer for you. My ceilings are really tall, Stein. Really tall, and so it, it, it is a pain in the ass to try to get up there and, and uh, change that change that smoke detector. But I got a ladder. Because I don't have a ladder personally, a ladder that tall. So I got a ladder next to my next door neighbor, allowed me to use his ladder. And so I changed two smoke detectors, one downstairs, one upstairs. So I am fine for the next month or so. So that's all I'm going to give you, probably the next month or so. Then we'll see what happens from there.
3: What kind of batteries did you use that only last for a month?
0: triple A batteries. You know what? I'm gonna tell you, I asked my wife this time. I'm glad you asked that question. Very great, astute question. These batteries were called Warriors. Have you heard of these batteries? They're called Warriors. I've never seen it before. They're called Warriors battery. Batteries. Never never seen it before. We had a couple Duracells in there, but it wasn't I didn't have enough. You know, this smoke detector, they take, my smoke detector takes um, four AAA batteries. But the batteries are called warriors, but they're definitely not living up to be warriors because they don't seem like they're lasting very long.
3: Well, you know what? As you once as you sometimes say to me when I go off on my tangents, I'm just going to I'm not gonna, I'm going to leave it alone. I'm going to just let those comments understand. I'm, understand I'm, I'm just going to let it go. No, I mean, look, I'm, it. I'm the le- I'm the least handy person in America, so I shouldn't say anything because uh, I'm,
0: I'm not. Uh, who changes your smoke detectors? Batteries. Oh man,
3: Mrs. Stein might run in here to jump on this pod and shout to the <laughs> world that she she is the one who does it. <laughs> she even has some sort of, uh, I don't know, some sort of device that helps her reach up. To, uh, you know, I don't. You know. Yeah. She's she's very prepared.
0: My wife got mad at me, Stein. I have to I have to admit she got mad at me because she said because I thought once I changed the smoke detectors that I was going to get some kudos around the house, get some praise, and I did it. It was the exact opposite. She was like, the only reason you're doing it, because people are criticizing you on Twitter. That's the only that's reason what I, That's doing what I was just
3: going to say. Is she aware that this has become a subject on the podcast? Yeah,
0: uh, I've told her, I, which I guess I shouldn't have told her, because that's why I didn't get any praise when I did change the smoke detector batteries. But you can't win. So people, you know, that's what you need to know. When, when you get married, winning goes out the door. You know, you, you just there's just ties. Or Survive in advance. Survive in advance. Survive in advance. There's only ties and losses. There's no. There's not many wins. So if you get a win, cherish it. Cherish it. All right, I'm done. Well,
3: we're well, we're gonna we're gonna not so gracefully move from <laughs> our uh, home improvement and home maintenance tales <laughs> to we're gonna try something different early in the season. Two teams. That impress us, two teams that concern us. We get to you and I both get to pick one in each category. I'm going to give you first pick in the draft for both categories. So 30 teams on the board, who is the team we're basically three weeks in? Who are the who who is the team that most impresses
0: Sacramento based Chris Haynes? Well, let me go to the opposite side of the country. I'm going over there to Philly. You have to give them props for the season that they've started off with. They are 6-1. and They're at the top is in the standings over there. And, um, you know, everything they've had to deal with already, you know, with the James Harden situation, uh, you know, people felt like they didn't, as of right now, felt like they didn't get, adequate value. As far as players now, in return for James Harden, they still could try to flip some of those assets that they got for another trade, the first round picks. But Joel Embiid is playing phenomenally. Tyrese Maxey, you kind of knew he was going, well, he, you knew he was on the verge of having a breakout season, whatever that be, this season or next season, depending on if James Harden was still in that roster. But they are clicking, man. They are looking really good. They just took care of the Boston Celtics, who had were the, the top Was the top team in the Eastern Conference again? This is all early; it's only seven games in for Philadelphia. But just the way things started with a new coach, Nick Nurse, uh, the way you know, it was just a soap opera over there for the first few weeks of camp and the first you know first week or so um, going into the NBA season. So I would have been surprised if you would have told me that they were going to start off this good, considering everything that they would have to go through behind the scenes.
3: Yeah, we're not even three full weeks in, if I correct my own math. And let's face it, when the season started, Boston and Milwaukee had just made these splashy trades. The Bucks obviously acquired Damian Lillard. Boston manages to swipe Drew Holiday away from Portland after the Dame deal. And so Milwaukee and Boston make these just... Uh, league-shaking transactions, and there's Philly that has to sit there basically leading the league in drama before a single ball is thrown up for an opening tip. And now they ended up finding a hardened trade, I think, quicker than a lot of people expected once the season started. And they, you know, the season started without them finding a hardened trade to, to, to find one that they were willing to make So quickly after that, and, you know, you're already hearing Joel Embiid say how happy everyone is, how together this group is, and and these are obviously all little thinly veiled shots at the drama that the Sixers have left behind, and Nick Nurse's arrival seems to have energized this group. There are many Sixers fans, vocal Sixers fans, who are quite active in my Substack chat room, and. Almost universally, when I hear from Sixers fans who are in that chat room, they're all saying how they have hope again. They like what they're seeing again. Their fandom has been rekindled and revitalized because there was just so much negativity around this team. And yes, it is It is super early. And, and like I, I've registered this complaint already a couple times. I mean, we... Th- the rush to judgment night to night in the NBA. It seems to get louder every single year, and it's just such a long season, and we can't make declarations. So even this, you know, I'm kind of contradicting myself here because we've chosen this exercise of who impresses us, and especially when we talk about who concerns us, we're rushing to judgment a bit as well. I mean, it's, hard, it's difficult to try to exercise some restraint, but, I mean, yeah, Phillies won six in a row. They could easily be seven to oh they had a shot to win opening night in the game you covered in milwaukee it's It's hard not to be impressed by what Philly is doing and how swiftly they've left chaos behind
0: yeah and you know again, yeah, it is you know it's ironic we're doing a segment like this, considering you know they only play the, teams only played a handful of games, but you know still just. From this standpoint, man, just the way Philly is playing, how well they're playing, you can see that. You can see there are tangible evidence of these guys getting along on the court, and there seems to be some chemistry. So I don't think it's too early to be able to tell that those guys kind of actually like playing with each other. So that's fine.
3: My nomination, honestly, I'm tempted to just say the Denver Nuggets, who are 8-1, and one and Jokic has started the season in just ridiculous form. Uh, you know, just he he's started the season in in peak form somehow. And, you know, Jamal Murray's got this hamstring issue. I mean, the, the word is that he might actually miss the rest of the month and it just hasn't slowed Denver down at all because Jokic is just so damn good. I mean, they've, you know, uh, they inflicted dallas's first loss they beat golden state last night just you know whatever early challenges have been thrown at them they've handled them and uh, the the nuggets would be a very worthy nominee but i'm actually gonna go i'm you know again now i'm i'm violating my own rules and we'll make this overreaction thursday and i'm gonna i'm gonna go with the team the only team in the nba that can say it has beaten the denver nuggets and that's minnesota Mm -hmm. And I know you were scoffing at me in your house when the fire alarm was still blinging about my decision to simulate the season with my beloved Stratomatic, the managerial strategy game. And I did a complete simulation of the season and Stratomatic was ridiculously high on the Wolves saying Minnesota would win the West post the most regular season wins in the West and go all the way to the finals. And maybe people thought that was wild and outlandish and crazy. And look at the way the Stratomatic Blessed Timberwolves have started the season. Wins over Denver, over Boston. Again, very small sample sizes, very early in the season. But the Wolves are tops in the league in defense. Aunt Edwards has been ridiculous. Rudy Gobert looks like he's moving well again. I mean, he, he looks much more fluid in his movement than we saw last season in his debut season in Minnesota. And so I think, again, if we're going to uh, if we're gonna go through this exercise and jump to early conclusions, the Minnesota Timberwolves get my hat tip ahead of Denver, ahead of Golden State in the West. And you already took Philly in the East.
1: Unbelievable!
0: When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.
1: If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States.
0: Yeah, and Chris Finch is one. I think Chris Finch is an excellent coach. I've always loved him. You know, I was glad when he when he got his opportunity, got a shot at a head coaching gig, and um, you know, it's like I've gotten to, to be able to talk a little bit X's and O's with him behind the scenes, and you know, just to hear some of his basketball philosophies on both ends of the floor. You know, I, I was really, I was really impressed, and just you know, he's. And it's it's cool, like, for me, style, I don't know about you, but like when when guys first, you know, when they when they get that opportunity, and you would think that players for the most part, they don't know a lot of these coaches that are out there, um, unless they've been an assistant with them in, in some other stops. But, you know, I remember when when Fence first got the job. And I talked to Anthony Edwards to the side for once. It it wasn't a story, but we we were just talking and and he was just telling me like how he was blown away with how Finch came up with different sets that were, that would free him up. And he was like, man, like he he was just talking about just how innovative and creative he was. And particularly just freeing Anthony up. And, um, you know, that, that, that took him by surprise, and so, you know, I that was a few years ago when we had that conversation. So, uh, you know, he he has the pizzazz, like he has the um, he has the ear of the players, and uh, so I, I'm I'm just glad to see coaches, you know, when they get that shot, and then when they get it, I like seeing how they can prove to the players that they're coaching that. They're ready for that task. So you know, we'll see if this is um, sustainable. We'll see if the Minnesota Timberwolves are for real, legit. Very early on, but definitely, you know, I'm I'm surprised. I'm surprised they they've gotten off to this such a such a good start.
3: Yeah, I mean, it's definitely. I think it's it's probably the most eye catching when we look at the teams that again have posted the best record so far. I mean, it must be said, five of Minnesota's seven games to start have been at home, but they've won all five. Haven't won a road game yet, but they are five and zero at home. And, uh, you know, in the West, in this West where, you know. Portland and San Antonio have already proved to be tougher outs than expected. I mean, you, you can't you can't get off to a good enough start in the West. You can't bank enough early wins in the West Houston. I mean, we saw what happened when Sacramento lost De'Aaron Fox and the Kings went to Houston for a two game baseball series and the Rockets won both games. So, I mean, there's just, there, there is no, there are, there are pretty much, I mean, obviously Memphis is a mess right now with no John, all their injuries, but I mean, there, there are, there just are no gimmies in the West. So, uh, five and two yes it's early but it does grab your attention let's go to the other side the other extreme of overreaction thursday night can you be concerned six seven eight games in the so what's the team out there that that causes the most legitimate concern
0: in your eyes there are a number of teams that you could pick for this category right here so i'm i'm gonna I'm a go with this team um there's concerns. I wouldn't say it's dire, but it's concerns. Because, again, we're only about six or seven games into the season. But I'm going to go with the Los Angeles Clippers, Because they're trying to figure this all out. And there's a lot of talent over there. But nobody knows if this collection of talent, if they can play together and win at a high level. We don't know. There's a bunch of good pieces put together. We don't know if these pieces fit. James Harden so far, since he's been a Clipper, the Clippers are 0-2. Can James Harden and Russell Westbrook play together in the backcourt at this stage of their careers? Do they need a Terrence Mann in in that start lineup? Do they need somebody who's just going to do the dirty work, somebody who doesn't need the ball? Right now, there's a lot of players in that start lineup. The way they they've been starting as of right now, four of those five players need the ball in their hands. Is is that sustainable? So I'ma go with I'ma go with the Clippers right now because there are a lot of question marks on that team and um they have to figure it out because also there's just desperation on the side of Clippers because they have to do everything within their power to try to win a championship. And to go into next season in that new plush arena. Right. They they gotta go in there with some goodwill. Cause I mentioned this a few, a few I mentioned this about a year ago on our podcast Dine, about how the Warriors faced one of their biggest nightmares when they went into Chase Center, but they thought they were gonna bring a championship team back and they thought they were gonna bring KD back. Well, K D left, they had injuries, Clay, Klay Thompson's injury at you know, I remember going into the, those first couple of Chase Center um, games, and it just wasn't—it wasn't the same. That's not what they had anticipated. So, uh, you know, the Clippers—that's why I picked the Clippers for num- numerous, numerous reasons.
3: Well, look, I gave you first pick, and you—you—you uh, swipe my choice. I would have also gone with the Clippers first earlier this week. I wrote a whole column about it. The Clippers, to me, have become the most desperate team on the NBA map with what they've given up to put together, to add James Harden to the Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, Russell Westbrook core, what they have given up to put this team together. And because they're going into that new arena next season, because we know that Steve Ballmer as the owner is not going to sign up for a teardown anytime soon. I mean, to me, the Clippers are probably going to have to bring back at least three of these guys no matter what happens this season, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, they possess player options. James Harden cannot extend during the season, so both he and Russell Westbrook are on expiring contracts. So basically, to me, they're going to have – they've they've surrendered so much draft capital, first to put the Kawhi and PG tandem in place, and now to bring in Harden. I mean, they, they, they've – They've got ton, tons riding on it. Obviously, they didn't have a training camp to work on things and, and build anything together because they added Harden on the fly. They're already thin in the front court, and they've lost Mason Plumley indefinitely, so they're going to have to try to manufacture another big man because they're now counting exclusively on Avita Zubach. And even with Zubach and Plumley, there were questions about whether The Clippers had enough size, enough rebounding to cope in the West and and frankly measure up against the Denver Nuggets and and Jokic. So tons of questions about the Clippers. My primary disappointment right now, though, is more disappointment than concern. The Clippers are in Dallas as we speak. On Friday night, they play Dallas. It's the Mavericks' first in-season tournament game at home. And I was originally all set to attend that game. Mm-hmm. And I was really eager to see the Clippers with my own eyes tomorrow night. Or I should say tonight by the time this pod drops. But I have since been assigned to some Pelicans work. And because of that, I will not be in attendance Friday night at the AAC in Dallas. So I will not get to see the Clippers with my own eyes when they're here in my city. So that is, I'm a little bit, uh, you know, I it, it's... Uh, it's a double edged thing because, of course, like I said, I'm gonna be, uh, I'm gonna have my hands full with uh, the Pelicans and their in season tournament game against the Rockets. But uh, there's only one of me, so I won't get to see the Clippers. But again, now I'm, I've, I've rambled on way too long about your selection. I look, I thought about Cleveland here. The Cavs look great against Golden State, but <laughs> that's it. I mean, they've. They've had tons of injuries as well, but they've they've been very up and down. Memphis, of course, already mentioned off to a one and seven start. Those Pelicans, four and four, but you know, so many injuries for New Orleans already. And it just the what is gonna happen next? Are we ever gonna be healthy? Discussion has to be just smothering that group of players as we speak. But saying all those things, I'm staying in LA. I'm going with the Lakers. I mean, they've they're O5 on the road. They've been outscored their first what is it? They've been outscored by nearly 75 points in eight first quarters. So far, they're falling way behind. I mean, this is not as bad as last season's two and 10 start, but LeBron has already had to play tons of minutes when the Lakers came into the season, hoping that he would be more of a 28 to 30 minute player that's already gone out the window ad dealing with health issues already ad not embracing the long distance shooting that darvin ham was hoping for and austin reeves i still i'm old enough to remember <laughs> darvin ham <laughs> sitting with us at caesar's palace <laughs> at, in in what might be the uh, the most eventful pod we've ever done certainly it's it's in the It's got to be in the top three at worst. Darvin Ham was so candid and just, uh, you know, so good with us. I mean, he sat there with us for an hour. there was was nothing he didn't say. And among his many headline comments was, you know, he says he thinks Austin Reeves will be an all-star and Austin Reeves is not off to an all-star start. So the Lakers have a lot of things going on already. I guess the good news is that they because they went through 2 and 10 last season that they they have experience uh, bouncing back from this but I think I I think a lot of eyeballs league wide to be honest are already on both LA teams how the clippers are going to build a squad after making their big move and then with the lakers what kind of move can they make you know they have such limited flexibility to change things after all their offseason moves can the laker do the lakers just have to get healthy and is that going to be enough or will the lakers try to seek out a change because uh, their hopes and aspirations coming into this season have already been challenged to put it mildly
0: yeah i mean i think you definitely still have to see what they look like as whole but Even with that, I mean, we're just talking Jared Vanderbilt being back. And, you know, offensively, he's not going to add much to the equation there. And so you still have the dilemma of can Austin Reeves and D'Angelo Russell play together? Austin Reeves, for him to be himself, to to be as effective as he can, has to have the ball in his hands. And then at a certain point, LeBron James, even though he's been deferring over the last couple of years of relinquishing ball handling duties to others, he's still somebody who needs that ball in the fourth quarter to make plays. And so D'Angelo, you know, D'Angelo had a great preseason. He had a really great – he probably played the best – he probably was the best Laker in the preseason. And his play thus far, is, you know, is up and down. But, you know, it – do you need multiple – primary ball handlers when you're playing alongside LeBron James. I don't know the answer to that. I know LeBron can play with another ball handling guy, but two, I don't know. I don't know, but I, I know for one thing, it's for sure. Whenever you play with LeBron, even if you're the second dairy prim, uh, primary um, handler or maybe if you're the third option, you got to be able to just catch and shoot you got to be able to find the pockets within the offense so guys can find you you got to be that adaptable you can't just be somebody who needs the ball in their hands to be effective you got to be able to find those seams and find those crevices to to where you can make an impact by just catching and shooting and that's a skill set in its own right there because most ball dominant players are used to shooting off the dribble there's a comfort level with shooting off the dribble. And um just catching and shooting, that is that's not easy to do if you're not if you're not used to just being uh, being in that role. So it's it's tough. It's always been tough, but they're gonna have to figure it out. And you know what the Lakers do, Stein. If, if it's not working, there will be some trades. There will be some trades. And uh you know this this it's this one guy I played basketball with. Out here uh, in the Sacramento area, his name is Manny. Big Laker fan. Big Laker fan. And every time I walk in the gym, he always asks me, "Hey, is Dame coming to the Lakers? Who the Lakers going to trade for? Who's you know who can we get? Who can we get? I'm like, hold on, Manny. I said, Manny, can, can your team just draft for once? Can y'all just draft a guy for once? Can y'all build? He said, Oh no, 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 Lakers. We don't draft. We steal other players. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He said we steal other players. That's what we do. He said, So who can we get? Who can we get? <laughs> so I bring him up to just to say that, you know, you know the Lakers, if if they're struggling, you know LeBron James is not gonna tolerate a losing squad. If they're struggling, they will be out the market and fire somebody.
3: Laker fan and sack,
0: they don't like that. <laughs> I said, Can y'all build for once, man? Can y'all build through the draft? Oh no, 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 we don't do that. We steal other players. <laughs> So
3: I should know this, but I've already forgotten. So next week, we, you know, we've mentioned a lot of teams here and we've lasered in kind of on the Sixers, the Wolves, the Clippers, the Lakers. Who are you seeing next week? Are you seeing any of these teams that we're discussing? Yes, or, uh, yes Stein.
0: Who, who, do, you, uh, who yes. do you got next? Clippers, Nuggets in Denver Tuesday. Uh, nice. Cool. We'll come back with some good stories, some good tales. Hey, that's, that's the plan. That is yes, definitely the we'll, plan you'll be able to
3: tell us if our concern about the Clippers was well-placed or premature, but I mean, let's face it, James Harden's first two games, they haven't cracked a hundred points yet and they're supposed to be an offensive juggernaut. Again, they've had, you know, very limited practice time. Harden's joining them on the fly. Harden hasn't played full speed basketball since May, but Hey, when you make a trade like that, you're going to be under the microscope. You're not going to get much of a grace period from us. know it all's here in the basketball public.
1: kane velasquez salacious super bowl level scandals join me on the dark side of sports by listening to playing dirty sports scandals on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts
3: nfl total access the podcast is getting you ready for the 2024 nfl draft I want to shift. And before we go, I want to talk about a couple league issues. It emerged this week. The talk has restarted again. Not a new topic, but uh, it sounds more serious probably than we've ever heard it of. The, a lot of teams behind the scenes want to turn the draft into a two-night affair and you know split it up. So first round would be like. On the third, you know, it's either Wednesday, Thursday or Thursday, Friday, first round on the first night, second round gets a night to its own. And, you know, usually I am so I'm such a tr- traditionalist. I'm so resistant to change, but I love this one. To me, I see no downside. I feel like the f- the draft is too long. The second round is too rushed. No better illustration than Jokic, the greatest second-round pick in NBA history. That was announced during a commercial in 2014 because they were rushing through the second-round. Teams say they want more time to think about their first-round picks. A second night of the draft probably creates an opportunity for potentially more trade action. It certainly is going to give the guys who... Are in the second round more attention. Like I said, I cannot find a reason to argue against it. But that said, when I put that question on my Substack, I did get a lot more resistance from readers than I expected. And, you know, I, I hear this chatter. Nobody cares. Nobody cares about the second round. We don't need it to go two nights. Nobody's gonna watch it. I ain't buying it. I do not believe when people say nobody's gonna watch it. I this is the NBA. In the offseason, I feel like fans are getting worked up and fully invested in who's getting the two-way deals on their roster. So I am not buying at all, people who who say if the second round is moved to a second night, ah, we're not gonna tune in. No chance. People will people I think people will eat it up.
0: Um uh, I don't know about that, Star, I don't know. You know, I, I don't know the answer to that. Like, is the second round Must-see TV. You know, or a better question. Would you put the NBA draft on the same level as the NFL draft? Because, you know, there are NFL draft parties. Like, there are rituals that people have. Like, I've been invited to actual NFL draft parties where the spread, the food, like, it's a religion to have that. I don't – I've never been – to a NBA draft party, like I, I don't know that it has that level of interest, and so with that, the second round, like okay, are not to say that people tune in to watch Adam Silver, but you know, Adam Silver won't be a part of the of the second round. I, I don't, I don't know, I don't know, Stein, I don't know if the interest is I there. Did, well, look, I, I think one kind of criticism
3: or question I've seen thrown out is second round you don't need a big tv production like we get for the first round but who's to say that the second round would be the exact same tv production maybe it would be a more serious basketball nerdy kind of you know very serious basketball show as opposed to the 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 draft the first round of the draft where obviously were you know the stories of of the draftees and their families that gets a lot of focus and you know, there's even a, a draft. There's even a broadcast version that's supposedly marketed for the more general fan who who aren't NBA junkies. I I just think second round picks, people do care about that stuff. And you know,
0: I, I it, people, yeah, people do care about it. But you know, will the numbers be there? Is it is it enough? Well, let people? me ask you. I mean, let
3: me ask you this because I know you always. The draft, the draft is long as it is first round, second round. I mean, it takes well over four hours to get through the whole thing. And then what do I always see? What happens right after the draft? the draft, there's Chris Haynes tweeting about all these players who are, you know, um,
0: undrafted basically free agents.
3: Yeah. Undrafted free agents who they're signing with. I mean, there's, there's interest in that. And so if you do it, if you break it up into two nights, That's happening at a much better hour that people can tune in instead of happening, you know, midnight, 1 a.m. Eastern time. And there's, you know, after the second round, there's there's a whole there's there's 50 more transactions. And like I said, I I mean, we know I mean, this is our life. People love every transaction there is in the NBA.
0: Yeah, but but social media. Track the social media traction that you see doesn't equate to. Television interest, and so that's that's my only concern. Obviously, if they did extend this draft, extend the draft out, what is what is it good for? For sure, the teams they they have more time to make their decisions because second round everything is going so fast. You know, a lot of times these teams already have agreements with undrafted free agents even before the draft is over because they know these guys aren't going to um, slip. I mean, these guys aren't going to be drafted. And as well, there are players, right? i am just take people behind the scenes. There are, say, say there's a team that has pick number 54. And that team might call that player's agent and say, hey, we got a chance to take you at 54. You want us to take you or, you know, let you go. Or we'll sign you as a, a, a undrafted free agent. And so the all these things, all these conversations are happening rapidly during the draft, and they're trying to see who's going to fall off the board, who's not, and so it gives these teams and general managers more time to have these conversations and make more of a, an informed decision. And so it's good for them. I, st- I just don't know. Again, social media and, th- and, that, doesn't and those are translate. the things that I
3: that that's the stuff I care about. I'm not propose or I'm not I'm not backing the proposals because I think that the broadcast of the second round is going to be some revolutionary TV product that draws some monster rating. I mean, look, the TV broadcast of the draft for years has just been, it's getting worse and worse and worse. And it's not watchable. And and you hear so many fan complaints <laughs> about the draft <laughs> broadcast, but saying all, saying all that, But people, it's still draft night and people are still incredibly invested in it. And I just think because the transaction game, as I like to call it, is such a big deal in the NBA that all these machinations that you're talking about, this, you know, the second round selections, the undrafted free agents and the teams they land on after the second round is completed, that could easily carry. A night unto itself, especially when, you know, draft, the way we're set up now, the NBA draft is kind of like the prelude, the appetizer for free agency. And so I just think two nights of draft action and potential trades is better than one before we move into free agency. Not because, like I said, not because it's going to become some great
2: TV okay. product. I don't really
3: even care about that, and I okay. think, you know, I I just think, yeah, well, I mean, I get fan, you know, there. we got a lot of there's a lot of things to fix on the on the TV broadcast, but that ain't our problem no more. So, <laughs> um, we can let other people worry about that. Another league issue that I wanted to bring to your attention because this happened Monday night, and I thought it was really interesting. In a recent podcast, you and I talked about how, yes, this season for the All Star Game in Indianapolis, they're going back to an East versus West format, but I wrote a whole piece uh, almost two weeks ago now about how Deputy Commissioner Mark Tatum says that a United States against the rest of the world all-star format, Mark Tatum's quote was that it's very, very possible down the road without specifying how soon. This Monday night, a week after my piece, The NBA announced that the 2025 All-Star Game will be in the Bay Area. It's in San Francisco, making it a nice, uh, easy drive for you. And at the press conference to announce this, Adam Silver, the quote from the commissioner, quote, people are out there talking about concepts, about a Ryder Cup type format, maybe thinking about U.S. players playing against global players. I just know we're looking at all different approaches to all-star and this referring to San Francisco is a great market to try new things, end quote. And so when I read that, when I heard that I'm like, man, the commission is all but saying that USA against the rest of the world is going to happen. And don't be surprised if it happens a year from now in 2025. So. Um, you know, we, the last time we talked about this, I mean, you know where I stand. I'm love the international game covering. It has been a huge part of my life for more than 30 years, but I'm really curious that when they announce this, when it is announced, whatever year it is, whether it's 2025 or somewhere in the future, I'm really curious what the reaction will be from the NBA's American stars, because unless they have a, Roster format that we don't know about that expands the rosters. If it's 12 v 12, like it's always been, like the all star game has been for decades, that would mean only 12 all star spots for more than 300 American born players and 12 all star spots for 125 ish international players. And so there are going to be some major snubs among the American born stars. And I'm just not sure how that's going to go over. I mean, from a watchability perspective, a USA versus rest of the world all-star format, it's, it's, it is is the most intriguing. We haven't seen it yet, and I think there would be massive interest in that. But again, I'm not sure that it's going to be a unanimously popular decision.
0: Yeah, I just don't know how that could work. And again, if if the concepts, if the structure... Um, is built where it can be <laughs> a level playing field and cool, but I don't, I don't see it right now. I mean, think about the global team. How many lock of global all stars are there? You know, let's let's talk about this. Well, you can't about is in B. He can't be global anymore, right?
3: Well, that yeah, I mean that right there is he going to now count as he can't United if he, States
0: if he's playing for the United States like. I I just Kyrie don't Irving,
3: think he- same thing. Kyrie Irving's born in Australia, and when the NBA talks about international players, it always includes Kyrie Irving on that list. But Kyrie Irving, he's played internationally for the United States, so it, it's a great question. I mean, I think if we really, you know,
0: there's about re- four four global. Dockets. I mean, the,
3: I think it's usually like seven, you know, seven or eight. You know, six, seven, eight guys that you can no, say. Who, 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 Let, let's him.
0: keep
3: let's keep Embiid there for now because he hasn't played for the United States yet. So Jokic, Embiid, Luca, Shea,
0: Luka. That's
3: five. Sabonis was all NBA last year. You know, mm-hmm. Wemby is is we we expect Wemby to yeah, get there, there eventually. I mean, so.
0: That's six. They're I'm not. All- I'm not counting Sabonis. So, Sabonis would have made seven. I'm not counting Sabonis. But that's six. Because I believe those six are locks. And I'm still not not counting Embiid. I just don't think he can. No. Be well, like anymore. I
3: said, let's count him for. I mean, oh, we we left out Giannis. I mean, so oh I mean, yeah, so, Giannis. Yeah. So, yeah, so that's so, about so look, seven. We have not had an American-born MVP since James Harden in 2018. Giannis, still, but we Jokic, still do not have 12. Giannis, Giannis, Jokic, Embiid have won the last five MVPs combined. Luka Doncic is a future MVP. He hasn't won it yet, but he's considered right there with those guys. So you start with those four and Shea. I mean, that is a a tremendous fivesome.
0: That's fine.
3: I tried to do this off the top of my head, but I had to look it up because, as you know, I'm old and washed and I can't remember stuff anymore. So in my story, which is, like I said, almost two weeks ago now, had the note in here that there there were 14 international players on opening night rosters who have been All-Stars. Not all of them are currently All-Star level, but it's a good group. You've got Giannis, Luca, Embiid, Shea, Rudy Gobert, Al Horford is obviously no longer an all-star contender, but he has been an all-star. Jokic, Lowry Markkinen, Porzingis has been an all-star. Sabonis was all-NBA last season. Pascal Siakam has recently been an all-NBA selection. Ben Simmons, not in the all-star mix anymore. Nikola Vucevic has been an all-star fairly recently. Andrew Wiggins, an all-star fairly recently. So you throw Wemby in there with all the names we've mentioned, and I think it's, you know, you can credibly say six- seven, eight, you can get, you can get to eight of 12 with strong arguments, but, but yeah, I mean, then, then we're, we're reaching. And, and that's where I think the American guys are going to say, hold on a second. Are we, are we reaching to get to 12 rest of the world stars? And then there's 300 plus American born players who now have to scrap for
0: 12 spots. Yeah, that wouldn't be fair. It would not be fair. Um, so they got to I don't know if you could have an all star game and have a, another game over the weekend. You know, maybe Saturday night. I don't, I don't the, see that. <laughs> I don't see that. <laughs> maybe Saturday night is the US, U.S. versus the world. I don't know, but you can't eliminate twelve all stars. You know, you can't do that. Just to, and, and you can't make it a reach to add on seven other all-stars for the and, world and team if they yeah. don't
3: deserve it. And you said the Embiid question will be a great one because if Embiid plays for the United States at the Paris Olympics like we I'ma all tell expect you, now. He's gonna, yeah, Stein,
0: he will be criticized. If he plays on that world team or if the NBA tries to make him play for that world team, he will be criticized. You can't flip-flop. You should be. It should be whoever you played in the last Olympics whatever team you play for whatever side you play for you should that should be the side you represent in a supposedly US versus world type format
3: so it will be interesting to see how it's gonna happen someday it, it I think we have to start treating that as an inevitability but how soon how soon how soon can we come up with 12 all-stars for a theoretical team world where all 12 players on the roster are unquestioned all-star selections because I totally agree with you we are not we can argue about certain guys but we're, we're not at 12 there are not 12 world clear-cut players who on team world who should be all-stars
0: And Stein, but but the thing is you know to their to their quotes you know their comments Adam Silver and um, Tatum soon you know the world is coming the world is coming You know, so maybe they're talking about, you know, eventually when it does get to that point, it might take two years. It might take three years for those for there to be 12 to 15 lock world all stars. And so if they're waiting, if they're talking about then, then I'm fine with that. But we're not there now. I I don't know. We'll be there next year either.
3: Yeah. And like I said, beyond what you or I might say, I'm really interested to hear. When this question gets thrown more at players and something tells me that at this all-star game in Indianapolis, when we go back to an East and West format, this will be a question that comes up for the all-star participants. And I'm really curious to hear what veteran all-stars have to say about a USA against the world format and how close are we? I really want to hear the players' opinions on that one. All right, I think that will do it for this edition of This League Uncut. We will be back with you very, very soon. We got to sort out exactly when we will tape the next episode. We'll be working around Chris's schedule as he makes his way to Denver for Clippers Nuggets on Tuesday night. Everyone, thanks Emil for joining us. As always, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to This League Uncut wherever you get your podcast, Apple, Spotify, any other podcast provider. If you haven't already, please do so. Please join us soon again.
2: And that'll do it for us. See you next time. This League Uncut is an iHeartRadio production.
3: Boom shakalaka! Chris Haynes and Mark Stein!